0: Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us. Thank you that you saw us while we were still sinners and you spread out your arms and you died for us. Thank you that we can come here today freely and open your word and hear from you. And we pray that that may be the case, amen. You know what, we are are looking at a series at the moment are uh, in Paul's prayers. So Paul wrote a bunch of prayers to the different churches that he started. This is very crackly. Um, sorry. <laughs> that he started. Um, and, but prayer is kind of a funny thing, isn't it? At its very core, it's simply talking with Jesus. It sounds simple enough, and yet it is equally complex, And you know, when it comes to these complex simplicities, I like to look at it through the eyes of a child. So let's see some of the ways or things that kids have prayed for. First up, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy. Dear God, it must be super hard to love all the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. Gee, brothers get a bad rap, don't they? It's a bit unfair. Uh, Dear God, I love Christmas and Easter. Could you please put another holiday in the middle because there's nothing very good there right now? See if he can get on to that. Um, Dear God, I hear the moon was made of cheese. Tonight, half of it is missing. Did you get hungry? I think so. Dear God... I didn't think orange went with purple until I saw the sunset you made on Tuesday night. That was really cool. Dear God, are you actually invisible or is that just a trick? You know, sometimes when we pray, it can feel like we are talking to an invisible God. While we talk about it being a dialogue, it's often very hard to hear Jesus. And so it can feel as if It's more like a shopping list sometimes that we rattle off rather than a conversation that we're having with our best friend. Um, As you are aware, probably we are taking a brief pause at looking through 1 Timothy, which is the series that we've been doing for the last little bit, uh, to focus on one of our core values here at New Peninsula, which is prayer. Um, And like I said, we are looking at some of those prayers that Timothy, uh, sorry, that Paul wrote to the various churches that he planted and due to house arrest and other various things, uh, he wasn't able to go back and visit all the churches that he planted. So he wanted to write some things about them. Now, this morning, I'm very excited because I get to speak from uh, the letter that he wrote to the church at Philippi. And I have to tell you that Philippians is, without a doubt, probably my favorite book in the entire Bible. Uh, it's only four chapters long, so it's quite short, so you can read it in one sitting. I don't like the big, long ones. Uh, they take too long to read. Um, but the short four chapters are filled with so much awesome thing. Probably my favourite thing about it is that it's filled with joy. It is known as Paul's letter of joy. But it also has encouragement, it has rebuke, it has advice, it has friendship and at the very heart of it, we find the gospel. So clearly, Philippians is a favourite book of mine. In fact, I was asked recently if you could only take 10 chapters of the Bible and Uh, to a a deserted island, if you were stranded on a desert island, uh, and you could only take 10 chapters, for me, four of those chapters would be the book of Philippians. So that's how much I like it. Have a think about that question, though. It's a very interesting question. But we are going to pick up in in verse 3. So it says... I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. That, my friends, is my number one verse in the Bible. Uh, That he who began a good work in you, God began it. God began that good work in you and he will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Picking up again, verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus, and this is my prayer. Listen up. This is the prayer that he prays for them that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Whoa, what a prayer. That's pretty amazing. You know, this letter is the result of more than just a church plant. You see, Paul had a sincere and deep friendship with the church at Philippi. It is a personal and emotional letter, and he's not at all sorry about it. In verse 7, he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you. And then in verse 8, he says that he longs for them. Uh, and, and why is that? Why does he long for this little church in a little town in the outskirts of the the Roman Empire because when he was in the toughest spots in his life, they stood by him. As he sat on death row, they still loved and cared for him. They were not at all the perfect church. They certainly had their problems, but they were a loving church and they deeply loved Paul. Part of, their love, part of his love back to them was this prayer. It's not a prayer for material need or for healing or for a big decision that needed an answer or anything like that. It's not wrong to pray for those things at all. Paul does so in other parts of the New Testament. But this prayer isn't about that. This prayer is about their faith, about their life together with Jesus. This is a gospel-centered prayer for spiritual vitality. And it's just, oh, I don't know, I get excited, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So I especially love how he prays that their love may abound more and more. Imagine if our friendships, our lives, our church were characterized by this sort of love, by an abounding love, a love that sees others through the lens of Jesus. We know we are abounding in love more and more when we begin to look at each situation and think, how does Jesus want me to move toward this person? We live in a world that asks us to step back from situations. But Jesus says, I want you to step toward this. I want your love to abound more and more. How many problems have been a result of withheld love? When is there not a reason to love? It doesn't mean you always like. It doesn't mean you permit abhorrent behavior. But it does mean that you love. It's always just a matter of how, not if. When we abound in love more and more, we find reason to come together in a world that says be separate, particularly over the last two years. And yet, it is an entirely countercultural thing that we are called to do. So, how do we get to this kind of love? Well, I think. One of the reasons why we're pressing pause on 1 Timothy and looking at prayer is because I think one of the main keys is prayer. Prayer for all, but praying in all humility. Only God can give us the sort of love that Paul is talking about here. And he will do so when we ask him, moment by moment, bit by bit, if we allow him to grow us are we a church that is abounding in love? You know, years ago when I was uh, a pretty new Christian, I didn't, become, I didn't come to faith until I was 18. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, but when I was about 18, I, uh, I went along to church and I found Jesus for the first time and my world was changed. Um, so I, but I had kind of two loves at the time. Uh, I had church and I also had theatre and they're both still very important loves of my life. Um, but... This one Sunday, I had been at uh, university where I was president of the theatre company and I had been painting sets all day. And I am not a neat person at any time, especially when I paint. My husband is the sort of person who can paint an entire room and walk out without a drop on him and I look like I have tipped a bucket of paint over the top of my head. So let's just say I was painting mission brown stairs Mission Brown's not a great colour to be covered in. Um, If you were born in the 70s or around that, if you were alive during that era, you would know what Mission Brown looks like. I'll leave that with you. So anyway, I was covered in Mission Brown paint, but it was about quarter to six and we had a six o'clock service. And I was like, look, either I can go home and miss church or I can just rock up to church Covered in Mission Brown paint. And um, I thought, yes, I want to do that because I want to go to church. And uh, I did grow up going to Catholic schools, and we had that song, Come as you are, that's how I want you. And so that was going in my head. I'm like, yeah, Jesus says come as you are, covered in paint and all. Um, And I rocked up to church, and at the back of the church was um, one of our church elders. And he took one look at me, and he said you're not really dressed appropriately, are you? And I was like, well, you know, I was either going to miss church and not come at all, or I was just going to come covered in paint. I mean, it was dry. I wasn't going to, like, wet anything. Um, but he said, well, maybe it would have been better if you hadn't come at all. And I was... Pro- i pro- Thank you. That was a lovely moment. Um, but I, I had only been coming to the church for probably less than a year. And to be told that, I mean, I'm a pretty resilient person, so I let it kind of wash off. But I feel like other people, if the same thing had been said to them, they may never have come back. Have you ever said to somebody, maybe not in these words, but in an attitude or in a phrase, maybe it would have been better if you hadn't come? This isn't the way that church was meant to be, and it doesn't have to be that way. The church at Philippi was not like that. Let's pick up some lessons that we can learn from them. You see, Acts 16 tells us how the church at Philippi was started. The founding members were a rich fashionista, Lydia, and her family, a former demon-possessed girl, and a hardened prison guard and his family. Not exactly a group who I would think would make a perfect union, uh, and yet their love abounded more and more. They didn't have any special makeup that made, them, made loving easy for them. They just had the gospel. And they let Jesus, through the gospel, transform their heart. They were very different people, but their church had a gospel culture. And a gospel culture is a culture of deeply shared love, created by and centred on Jesus, that beautifies a church Remember how Jesus said that we would be known as His disciples? John 13:35. "By this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another." And you know, not all churches have this. I've heard some say that they learnt that church is the last place that they would ever open up. The judgment is just too hard to bear. Relationships are too fragile. Sharing your real story is seen as a threat or a problem to be solved. But it doesn't have to be that way. When a church opens itself wholly to Jesus and rallies around him, it finds itself swept off its feet by his grace, and they find a new way of living together and a new reason to live together, just like this bunch of misfits did in Philippi 2,000 years ago. And we're going to pick just three themes from the prayer that Paul prayed to this little misfit community and see if we can't learn some stuff this morning. The first thing that he prayed was gratitude. This prayer opens, sorry, this passage opens with gratitude. And what is the object of his gratitude? Paul gives thanks for his relationships. Are you thankful for your relationships this morning? the ones that you've had for many years and the one that may have just walked in the door for the first time this morning. He was thankful for his relationship with God and the people of Philippi and he told them, I thank my God every time I remember you. What kind of church would we have if someone was able to honestly say, I thank my God every time I remember you? That church becomes a place where people of all backgrounds can come together and find Jesus, a place where he isn't hard to find because barriers aren't built, they are destroyed, where everyone is so low before Jesus that he is the only thing that they see when they come in the building, where a response to a confession is, dear one, Jesus has saved you and real help and prayer follow. A place where others weep with you and rejoice with you, where honesty is so common it's shocking, where true friendships blossom and grow, sustained by the Spirit, where God's glory is the goal and everyone is so content in Him that they can barely stand it. And more and more people who are looking for Jesus are finding Him and being rejoiced over And with. Who doesn't want a church like that? I do. I mean, I think we're doing really well, but I feel like we can all learn to be a little bit more like this. And how is this place created? Really simply, it's created by prayer. We need more of Paul's attitude of gratitude. We need to live in a place, in a way, so other people can honestly say, I thank my God every time I remember you. The second key to being uh, a people of prayer and people who are abounding in love more and more uh, is by being a people of grace. You know, grace is one of the key things that separates Christianity from so many other faiths. Verse 7 tells us that we all share in God's grace. Paul never Forgot the grace that he received. You know, the word grace appears 124 times in the New Testament, and 86 of those times are in Paul's writing. It was the foundation of his story, and it is the foundation of our story as well. God Himself is writing this story every day in big and small ways. But grace isn't something we only receive, it is something that we can extend to others. And when we say and mean that all are welcome, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. You are welcome here. The third uh, G, because you know, we like alliteration. Makes it easy to remember. The third G that we can pick up from this short prayer that Paul wrote is growth. We need to be growing. Not numerically, though often that is a byproduct of spiritual Christian growth. um, But Paul prayed for these little misfits, these good and godly Christians to keep growing in love, wisdom and goodness. He said... My prayer for you is that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. What a high standard he sets. We can certainly grow and help others to grow by prayer, even as Paul prayed. And most of us need to grow in our prayer lives. You know, I think some people sometimes think that pastors are super spiritual and we just sit around and wait for Sunday to come and pray all week. Uh, there's my Catholic upbringing, sorry. Uh, but we all struggle with prayer life at some times. I found one of my most easy ways to pray is to turn off the radio in the car because I, I can't really do much else, but I can have a conversation with God. Where do you have your conversations with God? Paul's prayer teaches us so much about how we can share grace, have gratitude, and grow in our love for Jesus and others. And it teaches us how we can pray. What might God do if we learnt to pray the prayer that Paul prayed at Philippi? What kind of people might he make us into? What kind of church might we grow to into more and more? What abounding love would we have? You see, in the end, Paul is praying for God's glorifying, abounding love in the life of the people that he loved. Is there anything greater? You know, it's easy to read this and to think, okay, so how do I glorify God? We learn to pray and depend on God to bring what he wants, to open our lives completely to him. Paul wrote this letter, but we read it in Holy Scripture 2,000 years later. And you know what that means? It means that this prayer wasn't just intended for a small church in Philippi. It was intended to be for all of us so that we may be reading it 2,000 years later. It is what God wanted for every church. If you pray this prayer during this week and you find your love lacking and someone pops into your mind that maybe you haven't loved as you ought, can I encourage you to reach out to them? Love them. Let your love abound more and more. If you pray this and you find a renewed desire to grow in your knowledge of Christ, you know, we have life groups that are available. Or maybe you'd like to start hosting one because we have got some people who are wanting to join one and some are full. So maybe this is your call to come and see me and sign up to possibly leading a life group or at least hosting one. Um, And life groups have never been easier. You know, we have some life groups that are still meeting on Zoom. We don't often talk about the positives of the pandemic that we went through, but one of the positives is that you can have a life group that meets and you don't even have to leave your house if that's not something that you can do of an evening. There are groups that meet on Zoom. There's some great benefits that came out of this season, as hard as it was. If you, if you pray this prayer and you find a need for discernment so that you may approve what is best... Then we have prayer groups that meet at all different times throughout the week. In the mornings, uh, I think there's one in an evening. There's one that meets here on a Sunday before church. Uh, There's one that even meets on Facebook. We have a little chat that just builds up with many, many comments. Uh, There are places where you can pray and you can be prayed for. Uh, As well as after the service, you're more than welcome to head over to the prayer sign over there and there will be people that would love to pray with you. Um, And if you start praying this prayer and you find a renewed desire for God's glory, then you have become the answer to what Paul was praying, that we all may abound more and more in love. The life we long for together that we've tasted already is not hard to get. All we have to do is ask and all we have to do is be open to loving more and more and being loved More and more. So let us pray. The words will be up on the screen um, just so you can follow along if you would like to. Let us pray. Father, it is our prayer that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that we may approve what is excellent and, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Amen.